hello everyone good morning once again so i'm coming to you all the way from the throne room of god to present to you this morning's kingdom message i hope we are all doing very well um so we pray that the word of god will speed ahead and that his word will be honored wherever it goes in the mighty name of jesus christ so yesterday we learned that though the church of pergamum will never serve or worship or bow to another voice apart from that of the good shepherd good shepherd's voice or uh, and though they would not bend or compromise their christian faith to satisfy society nor even please themselves they kept or entertained bad company and this bad company held a great potential of bringing them down one day just as he did to israel this bad company, having found out Israel's weakness, used it against them for its own gain. So, um, Pegamum entertained company who didn't share in their beliefs. Now, Jesus warned this church against keeping such company because bad company corrupts good manners sooner or later. An example is Kenahazia of Judah who made the members of Ahab's family his advisors. Following their advice, he was led to his untimely death. His successor, Joash, nevertheless, repeated this error. Now, it would also be noted that Saul also surrounded himself with a company of bad counsel who frequently asked him to pursue David. In 1 Samuel 24 verse 9, David demanded from him, Why do you listen to the people who say, I am trying to harm you? This very day, you can see with your own eyes, it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the, in the cave. And some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. So um, never think that you're too strong. Take heed of your advices, okay, those who you take counsel from. Okay, so um, today we will continue with the story of Balaam the false prophets and Balak the Moabite king. So let me help you with the distinction. Balaam is the prophet, the false prophet, Balak, Balak, K, K, he is the king, okay? So Balak is the Moabite king and Balaam is the, the prophet, okay? So Jesus' complaint about Pergamum is that um, um, they have amongst them others who hold the doctrines of Balaam. And so Balaam, like we started yesterday, is um, the one who was contracted um, by Balak to, court, to, to, to come and utter curses in the people to limit them so they can continue being the best in the land, okay? So that no one, no force can contend with him. Now, we learned today that what happened, um, what helped Israel was that their God was or is greater and Israel had a great God who led them to apply the blood before they set off on their journey. So right through the wilderness, the blood was pleading for them. So God, according to Numbers 23:21, beheld no sin in these people and no trouble was in store for Israel. And once there is no sin, there is no punishment or death. And also because there is no sin, verse 21 says their God, the Holy One, is with them. Therefore, 23 says, there is no enchantment against Jacob and no divination against Israel, but rather it shall be said concerning them, see what the good thing the Lord has done amongst them. That is, rather, they shall be blessed. Here, 
we are informed that Balaam discerned that the God of Israel is a holy God and there is no unrighteousness in him. And he was with his people because there was no sin found among them. He learned that this God hates sin and detests anything unclean. Balaam recognized that his people, as God's people, were also a separated nation solely unto him and that God's hand was protective over them. After Balaam realized that, holy, like that unholiness could incur the wrath of Israel's God, he taught Balak how to trip up God's children of Israel in Numbers chapter 25. Balaam yielded to the pressure of wealth and gifts that Balak was mounting on him. So he taught Balak to send his beautiful Moabite women into the Israelite camp to entice the men to sleep with them. Likewise, the men to also sleep with Israel's women. The Moabite women invited the men to attend sacrifices to their gods, and soon the Israelites were feasting with them and worshipping the gods of Moab. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor. The children of God ended up committing sexual sin and eating food offered to idols. In this way, when Israel had sinned against their god, thus defiled themselves, his protective cover was withdrawn. And his anger blazing against his people facilitated the curse Balak had asked Balaam to place on them. This success would earn Balaam the great wealth Balak, the king of Moab, had promised him. <laughs> um, someone just asked, where was the blood? Okay, so in Hebrews 10, 26-27, we advise that if we continue deliberately sin, after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that would cover these sins, but only a terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging of fire that will consume his enemies. The Israelites had received knowledge of the truth. God, God had repeatedly told them in several places in scriptures before this encounter, I am the Lord your God. I alone am your God who brought you forth out of the land of Egypt. You shall not set up or bow down to any idol. Okay, so as a result of this, even though Balaam set them up, they still fell to it. So there was no more a sacrifice to cover, their, to cover their sins, but only a terrible expectation of God's judgment of a plague that claimed 24,000 Israelite lives. Balaam did everything he could to get the wealth because he realized that the God of Israel intended to bless his children. In the same way, according to Jesus Christ, there were some Nicolaitans who preached for gain. They would do anything on the pulpit for wealth, including drawing people away from God, teaching them ways to live or succeed in Christian lives without stressing on the need for holiness, true repentance, or being spirit-led. These may include teachings not based on purity nor God's righteousness, but twisting scriptures to make people believe they can prosper without being born again or giving their lives to Christ. That is without emphasizing on the need of a spirit-led life, which absolutely leads to a victorious life. This is a way of manipulating people's destinies to get gains. The sinner continues to live in his sin whilst bringing seeds and tithes to pastors. It's a way of manipulating people's souls into the devil's market because true wealth or the power to be wealthy comes from God. Any other means apart from a righteous life is a satanic means. This implies that the individual would owe his success to Satan and become his servant. Agents of darkness who teach such doctrines seek for gains either spiritually or physically. 
they may seek for promotion to higher ranks in the dark kingdom or be physically rewarded by someone who has contracted them to distract a righteous person away from the holy God so that their destiny can be shortened for them to rise. What this means is that because another has discovered your great star and is convinced you are of a genuine source, he has to move you from where you stand in order for you to lose your strength and then they take over and shine alone without any competition. Because they have observed your greatness, they appoint someone to draw you away from God's protective and mighty hand so they can destroy you. Because they know you are nothing without your God but only an exposed worm, so they will bring someone to distract you in your holy spiritual journey so that God will leave you. They will bring offenders who will make you bitter at heart, thus unholy, unscrupulous or immoral people who will make you commit sexual immorality and the rest, thus making you unholy. And once you are outside God's will, it means there is no way you can shine as brightly as God originally intended. You might shine 20% and think you are okay, while God intended you to shine 100%. This they do so that they can shine their 50 or 60% outshining, outshining you in their destiny. This they do also that so that their enchantments and divinations and astral projections and demonic utterances and juju powers can work against you. Their dark teaching seeks to turn people away from God, thereby expanding the dark kingdom and depopulating heaven's kingdom. Jesus Christ is very displeased about this and says he will come quickly if the church doesn't do something about this. It may appear light from the outside, but it indeed causes a lot of destruction within. Jesus Christ says he will fight against those who are against his children, fulfilling their divine destinies, like he avenged himself in Numbers 31 verse 8, killing everyone in Midian, leaving only virgin girls. He killed virgin boys, he killed men, he killed women, whoever, he killed everyone. God avenged the people of Midian because of Balaam, the so-called prophet, and he killed him as well in verse 8. He says he will fight back for his own with the sword that is in his mouth. His own true word, his own sword, will deliver his children from the false teachings of Satan. He said he will fight back with the sword and he will surely win. Now the message to those with it, he says those who are victorious and will not be swayed away from the presence of their Lord, those who still know their Lord and will do exploits, Jesus Christ will give them some of the manna which has been hidden away in heaven. That is, they will not labor to eat anymore, but Jesus Christ himself will feed them from the abundance of the hidden stock. He says these believers will stand up for him no matter what. He will, let them, he will not let them labor in their work like others do. They will not sweat like others, but he will grant them favor. And what will take others five years to achieve, it will take them only five days. They will only come out to pick up manna. While their contemporaries work extra hard to get food on their tables, he said he will give them white stones with a new name written on the stone, which no one knows except him who receives it. This is the end of the word or the message to the, to the church in Pergamos. I pray that God will help us to stand for him. In that way, we will not labor so much. In that way, we will, we will receive favor from him. In that way, we will not work so hard to put food on our tables. But then he will help us and grant us favor that we will not have to strive or struggle so hard in life. May God help us to stand up for him. 
It is not easy, but we receive grace to do this. I pray that we have a very lovely day filled with His presence and filled with the strength to stand like the church of Pergamum. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray with thanksgiving.